First John chapter 4, and we'll start in verse 7. And we will be looking through verses 7 through 21, and because of the length of it, we will probably be doing this another week as well. But we are going to be talking about manifesting God's perfect love. The Scripture says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. And this was manifested the love of God toward us, because that God sent His only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through Him. Herein is love. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us, and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. No man hath seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us, and His love is perfected in us. Hereby know we that we dwell in Him, and He in us, because He hath given us the Spirit. And we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwelleth in him, and he in God. And we have known and believed that love, the love that God hath to us, God is love, and he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. We loved him because he first loved us. If a man say, I love God and hateth his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom, hath he, whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? And this commandment have we from him that... He who loveth God loveth his brother also. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for bringing us here today. And Lord, thank you for allowing us to assemble into your house to worship and praise your name. And Lord, we're thankful for the message this morning talking about John 3.16, starting off in God's love. And Lord, with that beautiful verse showing us all about God's love. And Lord, please... We're thankful for this epistle as well to help give us test of our salvation and look at ourselves and making sure we are carrying and acting in this perfect love as well. Lord, be with all of our sister churches today. Lord, let your name be exalted. Let the Spirit flow through the room today. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Today, we'll be focusing more through verses 7 through 12. Um, and before we get deep diving here into 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 through 21. I want to bring us back a little bit to the sixth day of creation. Um, Genesis 1, 26. And this verse will bring us a little bit more insight to what we read here in 1 John chapter 4. Um, Genesis 1, 26 says, And God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth 
upon the earth. So this verse here in Genesis is relating us to the image of God. We are related to God's image. But since God is an eternal spirit, God is spiritual, this is not based off a physical sense. But we are in God's image more towards the spiritual side. And here in Genesis, God is making us and carving us out in his image. He is replicating himself in man. He is reflected within man, as man was to be like God. So what does this mean? Well, we could deep dive into every little part, but what we're primarily going to look at through this is we are going to look at how man was made for relationships. First, we need to look at God. Our God is a trinity. It has been a trinity, will always be a trinity. We just talked about in the youth how the Trinity is eternal. Our God has always and will be always in fellowship within the Trinity. It's within his nature to be in this fellowship within the Trinity. And God made man in the same capacity to have a relationship. Because as we read in Genesis, man was created in the image and likeness of God. Now this is an extraordinary gift that we have received from God, from, from God to mankind, because no other creatures were made in this way. Not the angels, not the animals, not the birds, not the fish, not anything in space. Nothing has been created in this image. It is a truth that only us humans bear. Now, we may share biological features. We do have cells. They have cells. We have blood. They have blood. We have brains, we have hearts, we have some similar biology, but it's so important to, to point out that we are indeed so nowhere near similar to these creatures as we are and spiritually to God. We didn't descend from the monkey as the world will have you to believe. We are made as totally different creatures. And being made in the image of God, we were made for specific things in this universe that other creatures were not meant to have. And part of that is relationships. Man being created in the image of God in terms of relationships, we then start to possess qualities specifically for those that no other animals have. Man possesses self-consciousness. We possess abstract thought. We possess care, emotions. We have the gift to evaluate beauty. All these things men possess for a specific reason, for relationship. This allows us to truly connect with people. It allows us to connect with God. Again, this is something that no other creature possesses. They're not made in the same image that we are. We are made in the image of God with the capacity to love others. Now, within that frame, we experience some great things, right? We all love our friendships. You know, I love having a relationship with each one of you here. We get so many, we reap so many rewards from these interpersonal relationships, friendship, care. You know, there's many times I've had to call my pastor about an issue and I have support. There's many times I have to go to my wife for support. There's many times I've received help from people here. So we reap many 
blessings from these relationships. And again, this is because we were made in God's image. And again, I want to keep stressing, God has never been in a solitary place. We somehow seem to get in our mind a little bit, if you think on a more broader scale, that you know God was just alone before it all started. God was not alone by himself in heaven. He was not alone in a void. He was, has, and always will be in that state of fellowship. Fellowship within the Trinity. And it's a family-like fellowship as well. It's a father, it's a son, and it's the Holy Spirit. And again, they're all eternal. The father has never been without the son. John 1.1 points out. The son has never been without the father. The spirit has never been without either of them, all in eternal fellowship. This image here is what allows us to love here on earth between each other and between our gracious God. It resides in our heart. We all want to be loved. We hear it, right? How many of us have heard a love song about love? A song about love. We've all seen the movies, all those uh, cheesy Hallmark movies about love and the dream story of love. There's all this talk about love, right? It's something the human heart craves. We long to be loved and to be loved and to find a perfect love as what these verses talk about. And again, it's because we are made in that image. And now this will bring us back to 1 John chapter 4 and we're specifically going to be looking at perfect love. And we're going to look at the depth of it and what that means. But before we get a little bit deeper, we are, I want to look at what is perfect love as a whole. And the key word there is perfect. It is a great theme in this text. We've seen it, we see it in the text actually four different times. And it's important because this is a love we all seek and long for. Because we are not able to acquire this personal relationship with that God without it. We are not able to receive perfect love without the personal relationship of God. Again, this is staying on the theme of 1 John, right? This is so that we may know we are saved. So this perfect love is a strong and exciting type of love that we come across here that we are going to evaluate our salvation with. Because we got to break down... What is perfect love? And this word perfect is what we're going to focus on. Perfection is a word that brings forth something that cannot be added upon, right? Like Jesus on the cross, it can't be added upon. It's something without flaw. It's something that is sufficient enough. And that's what we're going at here today. It's a love that can't be added to. And we talked about this love is experienced through obedience. We see that in chapter 2. If you go forward here a little bit in chapter 5, you will also see it in chapter 5, verse 2. Perfect love is only available through Christ. And if you want to experience the perfection of the perfect love, you need obedience to God. Now, we are not talking about a love here that is of Emotions, right? This isn't a mystical love. This isn't a, a lustful type of love. But this is a love that connects us to salvation, right? This connects us to the cross. 
It connects us to God. So, in John, we're going to get the details, death, and more so like why we should be loving perfectly. Now we might ask, we've seen this before, right? How much more of love can we get out of this book? Right? You guys already heard me yabble on up here two other times. This is the third time we're talking about love. And I just told you guys beforehand that there will probably be a fourth. So how much more can we get, right? Well, John goes to take love, and he makes three different points through it. In chapter 2, we covered love in the fashion of true fellowship. If you are truly in the light, if you are truly saved and have this love, you are in fellowship with God. It brings forth evidence of it. Chapter 3, when we looked at it, we covered love, but it brought us into the sonship. It was, are you part of the family of God? If you have this love, you're part of the family. You're part of the sons of God, as John talked about. And now we come to chapter 4 to talk about this perfect love, which expands to God dwelling within us. First, love tells you that you're part of the Christian community. Second, Love tells you you're part of the family of God. And third, it tells that God dwells within us. And John comes each time with more depth and insight and more information for us to reap on. So, and again, we also will get it another test of salvation. They're evaluating our love. So, in verse 7, it says, Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. The perfect love has been given and poured out for us, right? It's been flown upon us. It's like a river. God has given it abundantly. And we now, since we were given it abundantly, when we confess with our mouths that the, Jesus is Lord and repentant of our sin, we can now have the capacity to do, give it to others right? A lost person does not have access to this perfect love. But now the saved person also needs help with the Holy Spirit to express this love because we are by far unperfect, but we now have with salvation the capacity to act in this perfect love. And again, this is the agape love of God. It's that, that great love, that, that love that this world has no understanding of, Right? Again, I know I mentioned it previously that the world has many different definitions of love. They'll say, you know, we love this, we love that. It's very much different than God's type of love. Again, we see this agape love. We hear it from John before. We hear it again today. We're going to talk about loving one another. Again, it's not just measly words. It's not just saying, I love you. This is deep, agape love. And in verses 10, 11, part of what our pastor talked about earlier, it's going to show what deep agape love is, right? That's John 3, 16 in a nutshell. It's a self-sacrificial love. It's a love that God showed us, a love that, only, that God granted to us in our salvation. 
And we can love from that love God has given us. We have to act in obedience to the love. Again, staying true to us being made in the image of God. Now, John is going to point out many reasons here why we are to love in the verses. First being that love is God's nature. Again, the scripture says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. What John is putting forth here in these two verses is that we should love consistently because love is what God is about. We are called to be like Christ, right? Who's part of the Trinity. It is biblical for us to try to be like God, to be like the light in the life of the world, to be similar in love to the light of the world. Now, we are far from God, and we are not to even claim that we are God, but we are to try to act in the way Christ has. We as Christians are to be like God, to reflect Him within us. There's our job. For example, when I was a kid, I would always ask for friends to come over, and, uh, you know, teenage boy, I had a messy room, right? So my mom would always make sure I had my room clean before I was allowed to have my friend over. And, you know, teenage boy, I was like, Mom, come on, we don't care about that. You know, we just want to hang out. We want to have fun. We want to play video games. And I would always tell her, you know, I see their messes all the time. What my mom would Tell me is, it doesn't matter. It's a reflection upon this household. It's similar to how it is to God. We are to reflect Him in the best way. If you are not showing love, are you truly reflecting God? No. We are to reflect the agape love in our lives, that perfect, that maximum love. Again, this is not a, a sexual or emotional love. This is a perfect, wholesome Love. If you are Christian, truly Christian, you will conduct yourself as one. And that is done by conducting yourself in perfect love. Everyone that is a children of God has this love. We all have a source, right? We have access to God, through Christ. This is the test that John is giving us. This is what verse 7 and 8 are saying. If you are born of God, then this love has been given to you. Meaning that this love is a great indicator if you are saved. Verse 8 puts forth, if you do not have this perfect love or the capacity of it, you're not of God. There's a problem. There's an issue. This is the people who claim Christ, but they miss an important part of it. They understand God, but they don't know God. They lack the personal relationship. They lack the meaning of what this is all about. They lack it all. You can look at their love and see that they lack it. Another thing I want to point out, because this is, a big issue in the world is, well, first off, we need to stress, God is love, right? Emphasis that God is love. Now, they will spin it 
And this is big in the world. The world spins it. Love is God. Not interchangeable. God is love, but love is not God. Right? We oftentimes, as like the LGBT community or other communities or even people facing trial, they'll say, how could a loving God allow that? We've all heard it, but we as humans, we must understand. Love is not by our definition. God is love. Through his definition, God's love is not bound to what we think is acceptable. And because God is love, he fills it within the world. It's evident everywhere, right? We can see it through creation, through the promise to us, through the verse preached this morning, through the promise of a great mansion in heaven, through that promise of getting to dwell with him. It's evident. God is what defines love. And we should be able to see that even in the midst of the battle, even in the midst of the trial, even when the worst things come across your life, we can see his love through all because he is sovereign through all. Sin is bad, but we can look upon sin and we can see God's redemption through it. Oh, we dislike the sin. But when I come to the night and I realize I have the Savior's blood, I am thankful for it. That is the unconditional love. It's an unlimited love. But we also got to think, God's love is amazing. He, he even shows it to the lost as well, right? Look at the beautiful world we live in. Lost enjoy that every day. That beautiful shining sun we walk, wake up to the air we breathe, the food we eat, the clean water we drink, the house we live in. It's common grace. And God shows love through that. But I also want to point out that that love ends when the world does. God's love is also shown in compassion. We are supposed to be guilty. We were supposed to be struck down. Yet God gave us a way. Look at Israel in the Old Testament. How many times did they mess up? How many times did they sin against God? You know, right? Every time you think they get better, then they make a golden calf. Too many times to count. God shows compassion. God also has an unconditional love by showing us warnings. The Bible tells us. This is what sin is. This is what sin will do. This is where you will go if you remain in the sin. God warns us over and over in his word, and he offers us a way. God takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked. But it is also shown through the gospel. That's the way. And he, as we talked about this morning, it's not just to Israel. It's to all the nations. That includes us. Right? Giving us away from our sin. This is the loving nature of our God. And just as we talked about, God's love is also eternal. The commentator I read, John 13.1, he brought this out, and I found 
I found it very fascinating. In John 13, when it says, Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was come, that he should depart out of this world unto the Father, having loved his own which were in the world, he loved them unto the end. Jesus knew what was going to come. Jesus knew what was in the final moments. And in the midst of that, he loved them till the end. He loved them till the end. How many of us, if we were in that place, would we be worrying about loving people? I don't think so. We see an eternal love, a perfect love, and this is the love that God puts upon us. His love brings perfection. It brings us to perfection. God's nature is this perfect love. The merciful love. It's an eternal love. It's far greater love he gives to his children than the common grace that ends at the end of the world. This eternal love is for God's children alone. It's people. He shows love to us here, and he shows love to us forever. It's that dwelling place. It's that mansion. This is God dwelling within us. Again, if we were born of God, God's dwelling within us, we will then enact in this love. The second reason, a reason which we talked about before uh, in my other sermon, is because the love was shown first through Christ. Verse 9 says, In this was manifested the love of God toward us, because that God sent His only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through Him. Herein is love. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. These are great salvation verses. God, who is by nature perfect love, showed us this love through Christ, through coming down to heaven, through the earthly ministry, through the act upon the cross. Through sending Jesus Christ, perfect love was given to us. And we, in turn, are to show that perfect love in a similar fashion as God showed for us. If God could show that love for a wretched sinner like me and like you, then surely we can show that love to others as well. The gift of the only begotten Son, it's the greatest form of love. So that we may live eternally through Him. To be the propitiation for our sins. To appease the wrath of God. To satisfy the punishment of our sin. It was a deserved punishment. We deserve to be in hell for what we do. And it's pleased through Jesus. There is death. But not only this, it was meant to be a model. A model of self-sacrificial love. A model which we are to follow. 
is truly the greatest form of love. It says in verse 11, Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. We are called to have this love because we've been given the capacity to have it. It's the nature of God, what we talked about earlier. We are to make similar self-sacrifices, similar to how Christ showed it for us. Now, let's evaluate how often are we making those self-sacrifices, right? We cannot fully comprehend what Jesus did on the cross as Christians truly and then go on to live just a totally selfish life. We understand what was given to us, how significant that was. To leave a throne, greatest throne for us, it's a beautiful thing. And we get the ability to love because we have God within us. But the ability to love is by seeing the self-sacrifice God did by sending His only begotten Son. We understand, if we understand the cross, we will try to live love similarly to the cross. We should try to imitate that act of love. We should try to love through self-sacrifice. We should be bearing that nature. And the leave off here in verse 12 today, we're going to talk about one more, and that's because it's our testimony. In verse 12, it says, no man hath seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us, and his love is perfected in us. So John is pointing out here, no one can see God. Not, not physically, right? So how can people see? How can people see? How do we get people to see it as Christians? How do we show them the power, the glory, the holiness of God? It is through us displaying love to one another. Again, love is a way for a Christian to reflect God. It is a way to show how great, how holy He is. It's to show that perfect love to the world who doesn't understand what perfect love is. Their definition of love is different than ours. That perfect love shows His presence within us. Again, only we can practice it. Only we can act in it as Christians. And if we act in this love, if we practice in this love, we show others who God is. What followers of God do. How they act. We've all heard the story from someone that was in a church and got rubbed the wrong way, and now they want nothing to do with it. And it makes it all the more harder to witness to them because that is not what we're about. That is not what God is about. We, when we door knock, when we witness, 
We need to bear this perfect love. We need to act in it. We do not want to be the person that rubs someone away. It's not what the goal is. Our goal is to preach His Word. Bring people. Give them the words of God saves them. Not to drive them away. Not for them to despise the church. Not for them to hate the church. Not for them to look upon our God and say, He's not a God of love. No. We are to reflect. There's more we will deep dive in here. I wanted to break it up for the sake of time because there's, again, a lot in these verses. But in the meantime, do a roll call on your life. First, of course, make sure you have this perfect love. If you have been saved, if you have experienced salvation, it's within you. This is the test. Take the test. None of us should be worrisome about taking the test. None of us should dread the test. Take the test. Make sure you have a self-sacrificial love. But John pushed out many reasons today. And we are to act in the love. To see the perfection of the perfect love. Are we trying to see it? Make sure you're acting in it. We have no reason not to, right? It was displayed to us who are wretched sinners. It's our duty to show it to the world. Let us pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for bringing us here today. Lord, thank you for this opportunity. Lord, thank you for blessing me. And Lord, just only your name and your name be glorified. Lord, we are grateful for the love that you sent us through your Son. And Lord, help us, even when it's hard, even when it's tough, even when we're, when we're mocked, ridiculed for being Christians. Lord, help us to stay strong in your word and to act in love. Lord, help us to reflect you in the greatest way we possibly can. Lord, let, it, let, the, let us to act in a way where people look upon us and say, wow, what is different about them? And Lord, give us the opportunity, help us to get these opportunities to go up to them and Lord say, it is our Lord that changes us. Lord, we ask that you be with us through the work week. Lord, give us the words, the witness. Lord, give us the opportunities. And Lord, we're grateful for all the moments for the safe travels. And Lord, be with us as we safely travel home. We ask this in Jesus' name.